every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello, and welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Erica Chan. Erica leads Alibaba's brand and customer insights team in North America, where she works with over 20,000 sellers and 26 million buyers worldwide. On this episode, Erica talks about the challenges and misconceptions a Chinese company faces when breaking into the North American market. She also shares her insights on building customer trust, trade show and content strategy, and much more. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com. If you are a B2B marketer who has always dreamed of knowing when a qualified prospect is on your site and being able to talk to them instantly, now you can. Learn more at Qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Erica Chan, head of North America B2B brand and marketing at Alibaba, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios and your host for today. And I am joined by special guest, Erica. How are you? Hi, Ian. I'm well. How are you? I'm doing very well today. I am so excited to have you on the show. We're going to be talking about everything Alibaba today and, and your background in marketing. So let's get into it. Did you start in demand gen? What was your first role in demand gen? So I actually studied community development and economics. And my first job out of graduate school was was in marketing, or I guess demand gen, of reproductive and public health products in developing countries. And so what we were essentially doing was applying commercial marketing and sales techniques to encourage people to adopt socially responsible behaviors and to sort of live healthily in order to improve public health and economic outcomes in communities. So yes, I guess I did start off in demand gen. (laughs) And so yeah, flash forward to today, everybody knows about Alibaba, but can you share a little bit more about the company and specifically the part that you're in charge of? Yeah, so I joined Alibaba in 2018 to lead our brand marketing and corporate strategy initiatives for Alibaba.com, which is one of the many business units within Alibaba Group here in the U.S., Alibaba.com is or has been one of the world's largest business-to-business e-commerce marketplaces in the world. And it was actually the original business that Jack Ma and the founders of Alibaba Group founded back in 1999. And the mission and the idea they had when they first founded the company was how do we use technology to make it easy for the small and medium-sized businesses from around the world to do business with one another. And so that continues to be our North Star up until today. And so for Alibaba.com here in the U.S., our mission and our job is to help U.S.-based small and medium-sized companies tap into the massive, uh, it's valued at $23.9 trillion, a global B2B market. Yeah. And so what's like the scope and scale of of Alibaba.com and that multi-trillion dollar market that you're talking about here? Yeah. And it's actually quite simple, right? What we provide is a platform, a global marketplace where business buyers and business sellers can meet one another 
communicate with one another and do business with one another. And so think about this as an online, always on trade show in a sense. So the suppliers that are on the platform come from all corners of the world, and they are typically manufacturers, wholesalers, or distributors. And the buyers are companies, and these could be manufacturers, retailers, wholesalers, or just companies that need to source products in order to operate their business. And so they come to this platform, and through sort of our search function and platform algorithms, they can find one another. But more importantly, we're building in tools and technologies that allow businesses from opposite ends of the world, or they could also be just like a few blocks away, right? Communicate with one another, draw up product specifications, contracts, use our platform to transact, and also use our platform to access other types of trade services, whether it's inspection or customs clearance or logistics. At the end of the day, they can do business more easily with one another. Let's get to our first segment, the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree in the nest, are we not? This is where we go and feel honest and trusted, and you can share those deepest, darkest demand gen secrets. Taking a step back, who are your customers? You talked about small to medium businesses. Who are the people that you're trying to get on the platform? And what is their makeup? Yeah. And so because we are a business to business e-commerce platform, we have two types of customers, and but sometimes the customer can be both. So we essentially have buyers and we have sellers on our platform. The sellers on our platform are manufacturers, wholesalers, and distributors, very often small to medium-sized businesses in those categories that come to our platform to set up a storefront so that they can reach customers near and far. So today we have about 20,000 sellers on our platform from all corners of the world. The other segment of our customers are our buyers. And these are businesses that are coming to our platform to source. They're either sourcing for component parts or raw materials that go into their production. So these could be manufacturers um, that are looking for things to go into the products that they're making. Or they could be retailers, brands that are looking for manufacturing capabilities in order to manufacture or tweak the products that they are then reselling. They could also be wholesalers that are looking for finished products, and they can also be just businesses that are looking to source things in bulk in order to operate their business. So think about hospitality businesses like restaurants and hotels needing to source furniture or linens in order to operate. And so in your role, you're thinking about, obviously, the brand holistically. You're thinking about both sides of the marketplace. What goes into uh, your thought process there? What does your team look like as you try to figure out how to tackle all of this? Absolutely. So what's really interesting about Alibaba is that Alibaba and Alibaba.com, we've been around for over 20 years and is a very well-known brand, especially in Asia. But when you think about us in the U.S., while we have high brand recognition, we actually have an issue with brand understanding, right? A lot of folks might recognize us by name, but don't really understand what Alibaba.com is and how we are this B2B e-commerce platform. And so 
One of our priorities is really in helping develop understanding amongst our target audiences, helping them understand not just what our platform does and how we can be relevant, but also to understand the opportunity that digital global trade represents. And as part of that, we need to make sure that A, we put our customers at the center, like everything needs to start with what really are these small and medium-sized sellers and buyers' pain points, and how can we make sure that we are communicating with them, we're hitting on those points. And then second is how do we build that relationship with trust? Because while, again, we have been around and we are well-known, we don't necessarily enjoy that same level of trust here in the U.S., And so to do that, there are a few initiatives that we've been doing in the past two years. And so one of these initiatives is something that we call B2B Today. B2B Today is an awareness and education campaign for small businesses that we launched uh, in early 2020 and that we really scale throughout the pandemic. And the idea, right, is how do we introduce small and medium-sized businesses in B2B? Think about manufacturers, distributors who needed to pivot quickly to digitize, right? COVID has accelerated a decade of change. And so I think a lot of businesses are sort of trying to figure out, okay, what does digitization actually mean? And so to do that, we've launched a daily content series to help small and medium-sized businesses understand what do they have to do in order to move their business uh, online. And as part of that, we also want to use this as a vessel to celebrate small businesses in the U.S. that participate in B2B. We We always say that B2B SMBs in the U.S. are the backbone of the economy. They're not glamorous businesses. They are sort of like the businesses behind other businesses. But without them, the economy would not run as smoothly. Another uh, thing we did during COVID was something called the digitization sprint for U.S. manufacturers. We found out, right, that during the pandemic, manufacturers in the U.S. have been digitizing at twice uh, the speed of other industries. And so as an industry that has historically been a little bit slow in adopting digital tools, we feel that this is a huge opportunity for us to help these manufacturers really get online so they can reach customers near and far. And so the digitization sprint was essentially a curriculum that we curated and that we got the support from other key opinion leaders and influencers and companies uh, in the space to help manufacturers pivot to an online um, world. And then the, the last thing that is near and dear to my heart is the digitization of online trade shows. If you think about B2B companies, a big way for them to do demand gen actually is going to trade shows. COVID sort of made that impossible overnight. And so what we did was how do we use our platform and how do we use the technology that we have access to to move these trade shows online so that we can continue to facilitate those introductions between buyers and sellers so that we can continue to have businesses from around the world access industry trends and thought leadership and build that community so that they can continue again um, to do business with one another easily. You know, it's so tough reaching B2B SMBs. It's just, you know, I, I we talk about it a lot on this show as it's one of the most difficult demographics because of their the amount of effort that they have to focus, how everybody's wearing multiple hats, 
They want a solution that's super easy, super fast. Predominantly, they're worried about growing sales, most importantly, because that's the most important thing to them. And as you're thinking about building Alibaba as a brand for B2Bs in the U.S., what do you want them to think about? What do you want them uh, to know about being able to do business on the platform? I think ultimately, I think we want them to understand that our mission from day one until now and continues to be like to make it easy for small and medium-sized businesses to do business with one another. I think the key is like we are here to be the technology platform to enable businesses to do business more easily. I think that's very important. And what's really interesting though, right, is that it's kind of meta in a way, because while we are trying to do demand gen and marketing and get more sellers to come to our platform to sell and get more buyers to come to our platform to source, our business is actually a demand gen business. Small and medium-sized sellers are coming to our platform because they see us as a marketing and a demand gen tool, right? Sellers come to our platform, they set up one storefront, and that storefront is accessible globally by over 26 million business buyers on an annual basis. And so in a way, we are helping small businesses um, build up sort of their profile. We're creating a platform where these small businesses can develop a relationship and develop trust with their trading partners, with their counterparts from around the world. And we're building this beautiful virtuous circle where uh, the, the better we are at our job, the better the platform is for these sellers, uh, for their marketing and, and their sort of business development. And then the more buyers we have then also attracts more sellers. And then hopefully we get the flywheel going. And that's really what we're here to do. Yeah, of course. It, it seems like having access to, to 28 million businesses is reason in and of itself to join. But I know that some of the challenges that SMBs have is like, oh, this is another thing I have to do. It's another thing I have to monitor. It's another channel that I have to work on. How do you work through some of those um some of those objections, how do you work through some of the pushback of, oh, this is another thing I have to deal with? Yeah, I think that's a great point. And what we're suggesting, right, is we are trying to help eliminate some of that pain by being on a digital platform. We're actually making life a little easier. So before how B2B business was done, in-person meetings and handshakes, going to trade shows, cold calling, sending your sales team around the country or around driving around looking for leads. And essentially what we're saying is that that costs time, that takes a lot of human resources, it's cost prohibitive, but when you join the platform, all of that could be done digitally from your office. You don't even have to leave your house. And we're also building in a lot of the, the services and tools to help you de-risk some of those, um, those risks and challenges. So on our platform, right, there's real-time translation tools. And so you could be messaging customers from all around the world. You can be typing in English and they'll be reading it in 
their language of choice and vice versa. We have built in sort of an escrow service on the platform. And so you know that if you want to buy something from a seller that you haven't met, or you're trying to sell something to a buyer that you haven't met, that you have that assurance that if something goes wrong, Alibaba.com has your back and it's here to adjudicate and help resolve issues. And so I would say, does it require work? Is it work to, to be on a platform like ours? Absolutely. But does it come with benefits? And are we sort of helping relieve some of the, the challenges when it comes to demand gen and B2B? I hope so. Yeah, I think that like dispute resolution and things like that is always at the heart of some of the things of, you know, why people wouldn't do something like this. People are just worried about losing money or losing time or effort or whatever. And then the other piece of that is you mentioned trust being so important is like, if I buy X from someone in, you know, another country, is it going to show up? in the way that it was described. I'm sure you deal with that objection as well. How do you look at that? Yeah, and I think what we're trying to do, what we keep saying is it's a triangle. Um, the triangle consists of the buyer, the seller, and the platform. And what we're trying to do is to have the platform be the intermediary, right? We're, we're neutral. What is unique about Alibaba.com is that we're a pure technology platform. We're not a wholesaler. We're not a retailer. We don't hold any inventory. We don't have anything to sell. And so what we try to do is by building that trust with the buyer and by building that trust with the seller and by entering into that relationship, we're basically saying, you guys should feel comfortable working with one another because we're here and which is why again back to why us being able to build that relationship build that trust build that familiarity with our buyers and our sellers is so important okay let's get to our next segment the playbook this is what's great about sports this is what the greatest thing about sports is you play to win the game hello you play to win the game. This is where you open up that playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win. What are three channels or tactics that are your most uncuttable budget items? Yeah, this is a great question. So I would say the, the first thing uh, that I would not cut is our daily resource and content series called B2B Today. B2B Today was created in early 2020 to give our customers and all small businesses access to insights, expertise, resources to help them continue to pivot to an online world and to figure out how to, to really not just survive, but thrive in this new normal. And so the series includes things like uh, weekly expert tips, fireside chats. We feature pivot stories of how small businesses have overcome challenges and continue to thrive. We have webinars about particular topics, right? Everything from how do you reopen your uh, facility safely after COVID to like earlier on, how do you apply for and get PPP loans? We also have a Transformer Talk series where we host these conversations between my boss, John Kaplan, the president of Alibaba.com and industry luminaries to talk about trends facing small businesses in America. And so I would say that's the first uh, thing we would not cut because it has been a tremendous resource. And also it's been great in order for us to build that community and build that trust with our audiences. 
I would say the second thing that we would not cut is online trade shows. So as we mentioned, one of the biggest or most important demand gen avenues for B2B businesses were trade shows, in-person trade shows. With COVID, that could not happen anymore. And so how do we continue to make sure that small businesses have that forum to meet one another, to access thought leadership, to share sort of ideas and and to build that community. And so with COVID, we have migrated trade shows to an online platform. And so we're basically hosting these virtual live events designed to drive more commerce to small businesses, to drive to build community among small businesses in this sort of very critical and unusual times. And we actually just had one um, last week that ran on until June 27th, where it was our our online trade show summer, where we were uh, focused on 10 different industry verticals to have buyers and sellers from around the world sort of meet and do business with one another. And I think the last thing that I think has been important for us as we continue to grow and build our presence uh, in the U.S. is our customer success team here on the ground. I think at the end of the day, B2B is a very human business. And what we found is that having an on-the-ground customer success team to pick up the phone, meet face-to-face with our customers when we could, to help them through this digital journey has been tremendous. I think from for us, it's a goldmine for customer insights. And I think for our customers, it's also reassuring, right, to know that we're not just a technology platform, that there are actually people who care, who can help them, who can answer their questions when they have one right here in the U.S. So those folks are just like on the ground at different locations throughout the U.S. and they're just meeting with customers face to face. I didn't know that. So we we are based in New York. Our team is mostly in New York. And so pre-COVID, we were actually traveling around the country a fair amount, going to trade show, hosting in-person events. Um, And yeah, we make an active point to make sure that we're going into the communities where our customers are, that we're having those face-to-face conversations. With COVID, a lot of those conversations have migrated to the phone and to Zoom, but we can't wait to get back out there once, once things are more open. What are those conversations like? Because one of the things that, that I, f- I find so interesting about Alibaba and, and what you all are doing, and this is like a, a, a random example, but like uh, a friend was basically creating bourbon and selling it, um, not through Alibaba, but maybe someday, and was selling, like had a pretty decent sized distillery. They were selling, like kind of doing okay in the US. And they started, they went international. And all of a sudden it was like, 80% of all of their bourbon that they were creating was immediately they're selling to, I think it was Korea. And it was just like off the, it was just, there's a huge demand in that particular country. They had a connection there or something like that. And they're like, yeah, we're sold out for like years just based off of the demand from Korea. And I always think about that story when I think about SMBs where there's demand, global demand in all these different places but you have no idea how to navigate that or how to find it if you're just doing it by yourself. If you're an expert at making bourbon, you you don't know where the demand is going to be. Like, are you are your customers more people like helping people on the ground to figure that stuff out? And I know B two B today is another piece of that with the content. Exactly, exactly. I think 
to be honest, there are more questions out there than we can answer. And part of the beauty of our customer success team, right, is that we're actually collecting all of these questions and these insights. And we're trying to a sort of inform like our B2B Today content series, like what are questions that people have and how can we find the right experts to plug in the holes? Part of it is what are the tools and the features that we need to build on our platform in order to better meet these customer needs? But you're absolutely right. I think if you think about the U.S. economy, um, there are like 30 million U.S. businesses. But if you think about the percent of businesses that actually export, it's something like 1%. And so I think a lot of companies just don't realize or, or there are a lot of fears and rightfully so. I think there's a lot of market research and a lot of digging and homework that needs to happen before you sell abroad. And also even, even, for our platform, like we are a global platform. We have over 26 million buyers that come to the platform to source and about a third of our buyers are actually in the US. And so for our sellers, right, it's both being on Alibaba.com is both an opportunity to sell abroad, but it's also an opportunity to sell just further afield within the US. Yeah, one of the things that that struck me is looking on the platform. Sometimes you look at some of the prices and you're like, I can't believe that this, like, is this price real? This seems like this thing is so much cheaper. Do you get some of that in your customer success feedback as you're talking to people? What are some other things that people say about when they're hesitant to, to join the platform? I think the biggest question for a seller to join the platform is the demand there. I think ultimately, to your point, like people want to join because of the the promise of customers. And so a, a big part is like, do, how do we help um, the sellers understand like for your particular product or for your particular industry and vertical, what does the demand look like? What kinds of customers can you expect to see and where are they from and what kinds of order volumes are they looking for? And are you able to meet that or is that what you're looking for? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a fascinating challenge there. I, I want to go back to B2B today. Yeah. So this is a huge undertaking for your team. Obviously, you're creating a massive amount of content. For our listeners, we'll link it up in the show notes. But you're talking about just in the Transformer Talks alone, you're talking about people like Hunter Walk and Tom Caliculo and all sorts of different people that are on there. You're talking about you have fireside chats and expert tips and all these things that are on there, all these stories. How do you think about, you know, first, how do you create all that content? And then second, how do you think about getting this out in front of people who don't know about it? That's a great question. I think to answer your first question, how do we go, in, how do we go about creating this content? We, I have an incredible team, but we cannot do it alone. And I think there are two sort of huge dependencies and two sort of things and, and people we cannot live without. One is our ecosystem of partners, right? The way we think about supporting U.S. B2B SMBs is that we cannot do it alone. We need to rely on partners. And these are all partners that have a shared sort of customer base with us, whether these are logistics companies, right? Partners like ShipStation, or these could be e-commerce platforms where some of our buyers would then be, so they would be sourcing products from Alibaba.com and then selling it on a platform like 
WooCommerce, or these could be like tools that that our customers would be using to help with their product research, with their marketing, et cetera. And so we rely a lot on our ecosystem of partners to help us with content ideas and also content creation. And then the second type of content that we love creating is actually creating the content with our customers. We feel very strongly that um, our customers' success is our success. Like we're only successful if our customers are successful and we love featuring customer success stories. We think that, again, the SMBs that work in B2B these jobs are not glamorous, but without them, the economy would not run. And so we feel very strongly that they're the backbone of the economy and any chance we have to help them tell their story and amplify the impact that they're having on their industries, on their communities, we jump at. And so working with our customers to get those stories out is also a huge part of our, our content strategy. Yeah. And what are the, some of the channels that you're using to get those customer stories out? So we rely a lot on our own organic channels, frankly, because we have been around for a bit. We actually have some rather sizable social media followings. Again, we also depend on our ecosystem of partners to get those stories out. We have a pretty uh, large database of sort of newsletter subscribers. And so we, we try to, that's another way for us to continue with that relationship and that trust building with our customers. And then I think, yeah, any other ideas you have, we're all ears. But yeah, we do think like getting the word out and helping tell the amazing stories of U.S. small businesses is something that gets us very excited. Well, that's what we're doing today. We're spreading the word. It's cool to see. I mean, some of the customer stories are, are really fascinating. You're talking about people who did 99% of their business to U.S. customers and now are doing or yeah, basically exporting 70% of their business now and things like that. It's pretty pretty amazing to see those sort of things. And I think for as someone who runs a U.S. small business, it is something that I think a lot of us are would love to do, but don't necessarily know how and need a partner that that does. And I think that as with everything, I think the customer stories is such an obvious focus because you really need those blueprints to say okay, how did a company do this themselves? Not the pie in the sky, what's the ideal scenario, but like brass tacks, what is the steps that this company did? How long was it time to revenue? All of those things so you can build into your budget and, and calculate. Absolutely. Any other misconceptions about the product or about the platform? No, I think the biggest misconception is the, is the difference between Alibaba.com and Alibaba Group, frankly. Alibaba.com is one business unit within Alibaba Group, which operates right various platforms. They could be e-commerce yeah. platforms, they could be payment platforms, they could be logistics platforms. But the business that, that I focus on, Alibaba.com, is really this business-to-business -business online marketplace. And we're here to serve businesses, not consumers necessarily. And so I do think sometimes when people come here and they think it's a consumer facing platform, they're a little surprised by the high minimum order quantities, or they're surprised by the experience, right? That is really built for B2B. Like when you see something you like, or you see something that you're looking, for example, the first step is you message a supplier because we understand that with B2B, Everything is subject to customization and negotiation, right? And what you see is not necessarily 
what you end up getting or the price you see is not necessarily the price you'll end up paying. And so all the processes uh, that we put in place and the features are all designed to enable that B2B trade to happen. And so I think that is one misconception is, is that, oh, it's a B2C platform, but it's really not. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's one of the hard things about running a, um, running a two-sided marketplace in general is so many of them are consumer-centric. Any other marketing lessons or takeaways that you've had over the past couple of years with running a marketplace that we don't talk about a ton on the show, but it's something that is really hard to do? Managing supply versus demand, which side are you going to be focusing on? How do you focus your initiatives on you know brand building versus focusing on one side versus the other and messaging and all that stuff? So yeah, any other takeaways there? Yeah, I think um, the biggest takeaway really is is having a local team. So I think as much as it's difficult to sort of market and build trust for a two-sided marketplace platform, it's also we have that added challenge, right, of being a, a brand that has been around, but that's trying to break into a new market. And so I think a, a huge learning there is as a company or as a brand globalizes and tries to expand and be relevant uh, in more places around the world, how do you make sure that you're also localizing? So for us, is having an on-the-ground team here, whether it's our customer insights team or our customer success team, as I mentioned, that are here front and center, really being very um, in tune with who our customers are, what their needs are, and then how do we design messaging, how do we design services, features, and functions, and products to meet their needs, I think that has been a great lesson. And I think the second lesson really is um, we're not trying to market ourselves as much as we're just trying to come across as we are a trustworthy ally. Because at the end of the day, I think, again, like different marketplaces have different business models. And ours is one where we're a pure marketplace. Again, we're not a wholesaler. We don't hold any inventory. But we also realize that we can't just keep saying, like, we're your ally. We're your ally. Trust us. We're trustworthy. We have to actually demonstrate that with things that we do. And so a, a big part of our operations is really we, we're very transparent with our customers. So with our sellers, we, we share customer data in terms of like demand data with them. And so we're not holding back because we're not competing with them. So I'm not trying to say, oh, certain products are hot selling. And so we should introduce our own label. We don't do any of that. And we, we allow our customers, buyers and sellers to own the relationship that they develop um, because we want to make sure that they can conduct business the way they want to. We know one size does not fit all for small businesses. And so our platform is designed with that flexibility in mind while as still being there should something go wrong. I think we're the, we want to be the, the, the platform that allows things to happen sort of flexibly, but should things go wrong, we have measures in place to make sure that our customers' interests are, are being taken care of. You mentioned trade shows. Obviously, as we talked about, COVID shut that down. Um, what are trade shows going to look like in the future? Like, how do you all engage in, in those type of trade shows? What types of trade shows are you looking at? 
What types of trade shows? Yeah, like, is it focused on very specific types of products? Is it going to things like CES? Is it going to things like, um, like, what, what, what types of what types of trade shows? Yeah, so I think depending on what industry vertical you're in, I think different sort of people or different businesses go to different types of trade shows. But yeah, a lot of them are very industry focused. Some of them are in the U.S., a lot of them happen in Vegas and Chicago, and then some of them are all over the world. And are you sending a bunch of people from Alibaba.com to go talk to people? Or are you getting booth space? Like, what, what? How do you engage? Oh, so how we show up at trade shows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of the above is the answer. When we when trade shows used to happen, we would we would very often be sponsors at trade shows or we would set up a booth, or we would be keynote speakers, or run workshops and what have you. And the goal is to really, again, back to the educating small businesses about the digital and global opportunity and helping demystify what it actually means to be selling on an e-commerce platform. Okay, let's get to our next segment, the dust up. Uh-oh, here comes trouble. You may have heard that there was a dust-up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly as we've got punches and kicks. This is where we talk about healthy tension, whether that's with your board, your sales team, your competitor, or anyone else. Have you had a memorable dust-up in your career, Erica? I hope not. (laughs) I think I, knock on wood, right, I don't think there's been like any major screw-ups, hopefully. But what I think has been challenging, frankly, and what has been a tremendous learning experience is that, and again, this is quite meta, as we are as a platform helping U.S. small businesses go digital and go global, Alibaba.com itself, like the organization, is also going global from going to being a predominantly uh, Chinese company to, to a global company. And so how do we do that? How do we build a team, a company across borders and time zones? And then especially with COVID, a lot of things have had to go digital. Like we can't have in-person meetings and work sessions anymore. And how do you collaborate when everyone is online? And how do we continue to do that in the foreseeable future, frankly? And how do we build trust in this new environment has been a learning experience. Let's get to our final segment, quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers, just like conversational marketing with qualified prospects are on your website right now. And you can talk to them quickly with qualified.com. Quick and easy, just like these questions. Go to qualified.com to learn more. We love Qualified. Check them out. They're the best. They've been with us since the beginning of the show, and we love them dearly. And just just go talk to someone right now on their website. You can do it. Qualified.com to learn more. Quick hits. Erica, are you ready? All right. What do you do for fun? I have a six-year-old, so I, I play a lot of dress-up and games that six-year-old girls play. Fun. Um, if you weren't in marketing, what do you think you'd be doing? I think I would be a travel journalist. Hmm. And what, what's your beat? What would you cover? I think I would cover, I think, street food for sure. Um, and apart from that, I, I think I want to interview, like one thing that I've always wanted to do is interview people that are like in transit, like at airports or train stations. 
and just to see like Ooh. what brought them there, where are they going? And it's a good podcast name, In Transit. If you were talking to a friend and you were going to say, this is my number one piece of advice for someone trying to figure out their marketing strategy, what would it be? Go talk to some customers. Start there. Yeah. How many customers are you talking to in a given week? Um, so what is interesting is that we actually have a, a competition within our office. It's something we call C-Hours. And basically, we want to encourage folks to talk to and get in front of as many customers as possible. And then it's like a competition um, amongst teams. And so at the end of the month, the team that sort of racks up the most number of hours gets a shout out. And so it's kind of like a fun way for us to incentivize uh as getting front and center and really listening to our customers. I would say for me, I'm trying to think, like sometimes it's not direct interaction. Like we listen to sales calls and we listen to customer um, calls for, for training purposes. Um, I would say not enough is the answer. What is next for Alibaba.com? What's next for you? Next is like, how can we get more US-based small businesses, buyers and sellers? To, to be successful and to continue to thrive in this economy. I think we're just getting started. I think digitization is not going away and moving things online, whether it's sourcing, selling, communicating, all of that. I think there's a lot of, of holes that are still there for us to, to fill and we can keep doing better. I love it. Erica, it's been awesome having you on the show. Any final thoughts? Anything Anything to plug? I think I'm good, but thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for joining. For our listeners, go to Alibaba.com to check it out. Infinitely cool stuff on there, and highly recommend you look at it because if you've, if you've never been, it's a fascinating place with so many different things for your business to buy uh, or sell. But Erica, it's been great having you on the show, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Ian. ManGen Visionaries is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com, a conversational marketing company that's on a mission to transform the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more.